Well, it's Transfiguration Sunday, and it's also Valentine's Day, and I want to wish you all a very happy Valentine's Day. Stay warm, and hopefully this time next week it'll be about 30 degrees warmer. We're going to put on our, our, our shorts and our tank tops if it hits 30, I think, the way it's been lately. Well, there aren't very many heroes nowadays. I mean, there are heroes, but not many celebrities or sports figures who are heroes. Not the way they used to be. There was a time when sports people were, I think they felt it was their obligation to be a good example. And they, uh, many of them were heroes to the kids who watched them play. I want to take a man named Lou Gehrig, for example. Even today, the name stirs up some emotions in the minds of some people. Even though it's been 68 years since Lou Gehrig played his last game, before lots of us were born. For those who don't know his story, Lou Gehrig was a talented first baseman for the New York Yankees who brought a great deal of honor to the game. He was a good man. For 12 seasons in the 20s and the 30s, that's the 1920s and the 30s, he batted over 300. And then he was diagnosed with this awful disease. It's called ALS, which today has been named after him and is called Lou Gehrig disease. The story is told that in 1937, Gehrig was in Chicago to play a game against the Chicago White Sox. Someone asked him to go to the children's hospital there and to visit a 10-year-old boy named Timmy who had polio. Timmy was depressed over his illness and he refused to even participate in therapy. And Lou Gehrig was his hero. And Tim's parents hoped that a visit by Mr. Gehrig would motivate him to at least try to help himself. Well, Tim, of course, was amazed and delighted when his hero walked into his hospital room. And Lou said to him, after talking to him for a while, he said, I want you well, Tim. Go to therapy. Learn to walk again. And the story goes that Tim said to him, Lou, if you hit a home run for me today, I will learn to walk again. Well, that was asking a lot of Lou Gehrig because he was not a home run hitter. He got lots of base hits, but he was not known for knocking them out of the park. But that day, guess what he did? He hit two home runs. And on July 4th of 1939, the New York Yankees were celebrating Lou Gehrig. They had a Lou Gehrig Appreciation Day at Yankee Stadium. Lou was already sick with this horrible disease that would eventually cripple him and cause him a great deal of pain and eventually kill him. There was a huge crowd gathered at Yankee Stadium to pay their respects to Lou. There were, the governor was there, the mayor was there, there were celebrities who came to pay him honor. And just before he spoke to the crowd, Timmy, who was now 12 years old, walked out of the dugout, dropped his crutches, and with leg braces, 
walked to home plate to give Lou Gehrig a hug and to tell him thank you. A little bit later, when giving his speech, Lou spoke these immortal words. He said, they say I've had a bad break, but when the office force and the groundskeepers and even the giants from across the river remember you, well, that's something. And then he went on to thank his family for being there for him. And then he finished by saying those words that many of us have heard. I may have been given a bad break, but I have an awful lot to live for. With all this, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Imagine that. The luckiest man on the face of the earth. Now, they make heroes like that today. I know some of them, and I've known some in the past who have gone on to be with the Lord. People who have spoke positively through some very, very serious, very painful illness. But unfortunately, we don't see too much of that with our celebrities and our sports figures these days, and it's sad. Well, I wouldn't include Jesus on any list of heroes because I think that that is a category that is too limited for him. Jesus is just simply too big. The Broadway musical called him Jesus Christ Superstar, but that's still not big enough either. He was heroic, for sure. He towers over every figure who has ever lived, but it's impossible for us to describe who he is. Take today's scripture. It's one of the most amazing events in the New Testament. Jesus takes his three closest disciples, Peter, James, and John, and they go up into a high mountain. And they're all alone up there. And then the scripture tells us he's transfigured before them. That is, his clothes become a dazzling white, whiter than anybody in the world could bleach them. And then, if that isn't enough, Elijah and Moses, who have been dead for a long time, appear. And they're talking with Jesus right there in the presence of these three. And Peter says to Jesus, Rabbi, this is great. Let's put up three booths. We'll put one up for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He didn't know what to say. He was probably so overcome and so scared by what was happening around him. So he said something a little bit off the wall because that's what Peter did at times and then it says a cloud appeared and it covered them and a voice came from that cloud this is my son whom I love listen to him then they looked around they didn't see anybody Moses and Elijah were gone it was them and Jesus again If the disciples needed any confirmation that Jesus was indeed the son of the living God, they got it. A cloud appeared and a voice came from the cloud telling them that's who he is. My guess is that they 
listened more closely to Jesus after that than they had ever listened before. They were afraid. Even Peter didn't know what to say. They were in the presence of greatness. They were in the presence of divinity, in the presence of God. I wonder if you and I would listen more closely to what God has to say if we really understood who Christ is. Jesus, you see, really is the way, the truth, and the life, like he said he is. When we live with honesty, with integrity, with compassion and care for others, with dedication like he lived, our lives are better. The voice from heaven said to the three disciples, listen to him. That's God's plan for a successful life. Listen to Jesus. Learn from him. Open yourself up to him. He's more than a superhero. He's more than a superstar. He's the son of God. He knows the heart of God. In fact, he is the heart of God. Listen to him because of, first of all, who he is. And then listen to him because of what he's done. Not everyone who gives his or her life for a cause is to be admired. There are people who give their lives for all kinds of reasons. Terrorists give their lives for the most evil of reasons. And they take innocent people with them. But when someone gives his life to rescue guilty people, undeserving people, then we should listen to what he has to say. In 1868, the British Empire sent a military expedition to Ethiopia. What's interesting is that it was a military expedition, but they weren't sent to conquer new lands, as was happening so much in those days. They were sent for one purpose, to rescue a few hostages. For almost four years, Emperor Theodore III of Ethiopia had held a group of 53 Europeans captive in a remote 9,000-foot-high fortress deep in the interior of Ethiopia. And Queen Victoria had sent letters and pleaded with King Theodore to please release the captives, but to no avail. And finally, the British government ordered a full-scale military expedition from India to march into Ethiopia, not to conquer the country and make it a British colony, but just to go in and rescue this little group of people. The invasion force included 32,000 soldiers, heavy artillery, and 44 elephants to carry the guns. Provisions included 50,000 tons of beef and pork, and I don't know about this part of it, 30,000 gallons of rum. Engineers built landing piers, water treatment plants, a railroad, and a telegraph line to the interior, plus many bridges, whatever they had to do to get there. All of this was done to fight one battle. The prisoners were released, everybody packed up, and they went home. The British spent millions of pounds to rescue 53 people. That sounds familiar. When the church early on struggled to understand the importance of the cross, when they started to see that 
It didn't represent a failure. The king was gone. But it was an amazing rescue operation when Jesus came. The God of all universe, in order to deliver them and us from sin, intervened, came here in order to deliver us, lay down his life. If we could open ourselves up and really begin to soak in the wonder and the importance of the message of the cross, it would change our lives forever. There's a story of a family get-together at Thanksgiving and how every year it was the same uncle who gave the blessing at the dinner. And it was always a long blessing, a long prayer. And it always got stalled at the point where he began giving thanks for Jesus dying on the cross. Well, the rest of the family started to worry about the turkey getting cold. The uncle, when he got to that part, he would cry when he thought of Jesus dying for him. One family member said this, I don't know what his problem is. I guess he just never got over Jesus' death the way we did. Hmm. Kind of painful words. Listen to him because of who he is, the Son of God. Listen to him because of what he's done for you and for me. He's given his life. And listen to him for what he has promised. Something happened at another mountain. It was after Jesus had risen again and Judas the betrayer was dead. There were only 11 disciples left. The women who were at the empty tomb told the disciples that Jesus wanted them to return to Galilee. And that's a long way to Jerusalem close to 100 miles. But they return to Galilee, and on a certain mountain, they meet the risen Christ. When they see him, they worship him. But some of them still doubt. Then Jesus comes to them and says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and listen to these words. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. How many of God's people have found comfort in those words over the years? He is with us. He's with us as the deepest hurts possible fill our soul. He is with us when we stand beside the grave of someone we love. He's with us when we hear those awful words from the doctor. He's with us when friends and family let us down and hurt us. He's with us when the marriage doesn't work out. He's with us through all these things. This is how we cope with life. This is how we get through those days. This is how we come through victoriously. Because God is with us. Jesus is always by our side. 
Let me tell you about a woman named Evelyn Stokes. She lived in Richmond, Virginia. Her children were her world. She worked hard to make sure they stayed in school and they stayed out of trouble. And it wasn't an easy job because she was a single mom trying to raise her family in a very rough, poor, violent, inner-city neighborhood. And she was especially strict with her only son, whose name was Jante, because she knew that many of the young men in her neighborhood were involved in gangs and drugs. And Jante did get involved for a little while with the wrong crowd, but he was starting to turn his life around and things were going well. And he and his mom were spending time together more than ever before. They were communicating better than they had his whole life since he was a little child. And then one day in 2000, 17-year-old John Tay was shot and killed by a friend who was playing around with a handgun. When Evelyn first heard the news of the death of her son, she was completely, as you can expect, overcome with grief. The only word that would come to her lips was Jesus. Jesus. She couldn't even say a prayer. It's the only word that would come out of her mouth. She says that looking back, she realizes that that day, the promise of Christ was true, and she really believed it. Even through this, he was with her. When she needed him most, he was with her. Her grief gradually gave way to some peace and some joy because, she says, Jesus' presence was so near that her crying turned to cries of praise as the years went by. After John Tay's death, Evelyn headed up the comfort ministry in her church, and she says, the day my son died, I learned that God is truly alive. I believed it before his death, but never knew the extent of God's power, that he can fill us inside and change our hearts and lives. And haven't we all been there? Haven't we all had a time in our life where we truly didn't know if it was ever going to get better? But it did. Never the same, but better. Do you see the wonder of it all? We're not here this morning and gathered together virtually to praise a dead hero. We're not here to worship a cultural superstar. We are here to worship a living Savior. And I would remind you and remind myself this morning to listen to him. Listen to him because of who he is. Listen to him because of what he's done and listen to him because he has promised I am with you always. Amen.